0: Can't get enough of Cthulhu in Cairo? Join our Patreon for as low as $3 per month to access special features and bonus content. You can find us online at patreon.com slash thebardiccollege. You're listening to a 7th edition Call of Cthulhu podcast titled Cthulhu in Cairo, brought to you by the Bardic College. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the show to receive notifications as our future episodes release. You can visit us on Facebook at the Bardic College. Viewer discretion is advised.
1: Well, welcome back, everyone, um, to another episode of Bardic College presents Cthulhu in Cairo. I'm Raz, and as you b- know by now, you've been listening. Uh, there has been some terrible events that have occurred while in the uh, area of Nepal—one within Kathmandu and the two others on the side of the mountain—and we're just going to get right into it tonight. Uh, it's going to be—it's going to be the closing of of, of some some serious, some issues that have been plaguing them a little bit and um, moving on to the next part of the story. But we do this with a somber heart. We've had two characters actually fall and another one makes some choices that um, will be long impacting to the storyline. And we just want to, we just as players, we've, we've been dealing with this all week and kind of working through it. And uh, as the, (laughs) as the storyteller or keeper in this particular gaming system, I've been doing some rewrites and we've gotten to a place now where we're all pretty comfortable, I think, with, with some of the choices and the decisions and, and some of the loss, as comfortable as we can be. But uh, the ladies are here tonight, and don't don't hang up the phone yet. They're not, they're not quite out of – they're not out of steam. They've, there's, this is part of what happens in Cthulhu. Characters sometimes do have to – do make choices for the betterment of, of humanity or their friends. Or they just become to the point where they're not going to let it happen anymore, and and they make decisions. And I think we're gonna talk. We're hopefully gonna have some time to talk to you about that as listeners with uh, the ladies here tonight. But let's just jump right in, um, and get them back to Kathmandu, and find out exactly what they did and and what all this disaster has has led to, and hopefully uh, maybe see some a bright lining to some of this. So, ladies, uh, welcome back, um, Aveline. We're gonna start off with a roll. So you've had the plane up in the air. The takeoff's Ella. never a problem. I'm sorry, Ella. Ella. Well, I've just been saying, Aveline, so many times before, Mike. Ella ghost you know,
0: um, is coming through.
1: <laughs> yeah, Ella, you're. Um, you've you've had the plane up in the air, and that's never the hard part. Is getting up. Every pilot will tell you it's always about getting it down. So the role here is going to be uh, to land the plane safely out on the airstrip outside of Kathmandu. Now. There's no one chasing you. There's no one. There's no bad weather. There's no fog. You're flying during the day. Even if you don't make a success, that doesn't mean you pitch this thing over and it bursts into flames. Okay. What that would mean is a 96. So if you 96 or higher, yeah, this is going to be a crash landing. Okay. Other than that, it may not be comfortable. It may not be something anybody wants to fly with you again. Like if you roll in the 90s or a 91, they're like, don't ever touch the stick again. But for now, we just need to know if you pitch the plane and it does catch it on fire. But for like I said, even if you roll poorly, it doesn't mean a crash. It just means that it was a really bumpy landing. Gotcha. So go ahead and make me a, a roll against your piloting skill, please.
2: Okay. After the traumatic experience of dice rolls last episode, I'm happy to say it's a twenty-two. It's under it's a regular success.
1: But under yeah, that's great. Okay. You land the plane as if you're a seasoned pilot, you know, very comfortable in 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 the seat. The the girls in the back, Anya is the older one, and Lakshitha is her sister. She's young, slightly younger. She's about three years younger. So you're looking at probably 13 and 10. So Anya and Lakshitha, um, they speak some broken English because their father's a tour guide and does deal with um, with people from the you know the east. Um, sorry, the west rather. Uh, when they he comes to do when they come to do climbs and things, but so they they do have a, an ability to speak some broken English. You do. Uh, on the flight over, what you do discover, ladies, just to sort of put this into perspective, they never saw what happened. They were under guard. There was a, a man keeping an eye on them. No, they, no one ever hurt them. No one ever tortured them. No one ever touched them. Um, the Germans just kept an eye on them inside the plane. The guards outside, something was happening. Gunshots went off, and the guard inside ran out to see what happened, and then they heard screaming. They were afraid, and they never even looked outside. They never wanted to see what was going on. They, they, the gun stop, shots stopped. Uh, they felt scared. They felt very cold. Uh, and then whatever was out there went away. So they weren't sure if it was men that did it, if it was, uh, you know, anything supernatural. I mean, they wouldn't have even gone down that road. But all they know is, is that the Germans never came back to check on them. And then they fell asleep. And hours later, you arrived.
0: Well, that's a relief, at least.
1: Yeah. So they were, from all you can sense, they never saw nor touched nor were were looked upon Ithakwa. So they, they you know, you've gotten them out safely. That's going to help, you know, I'm sure down the line. So on the landing, the flight over here, though, they, you, they were just as scared as the first time they were in a plane. Like to them, this is this is not a good thing. They were a little bit nervous, very upset. Catherine kind of does her best to keep them calm, I'm sure. When Ella lands the plane, you know, goes down and the, the engines kill, she shuts them off. The girls are just thankful to be back, you know, on, when, when you open up the, the door and they see where they're at, they're just thankful to be back in Nepal, um, they're thankful to be somewhere where they recognize the mountains, where they recognize that they're not far from their town, uh, and they're just they, they even with all of the the sadness and the terror that they've experienced and the fear of being you know at gunpoint and seeing their father led away. There's a, there is a small smile on their face, and the older sister hugs the younger one, and like you know, she's whispering her language. Tr- you know, you can tell calming her and telling her everything is going to be okay. What do you want to do with the girls? How do you want to deal with? The situation: the plane needs fuel. There is a gas pump here. If you're going to keep this plane, I mean, it does have a big iron cross on the side of it. Something you may want to get rid of. Maybe you need help with that if you're going to keep the plane. What's your next port of call uh, geographically? The next port of call should be probably Siberia. I yeah. mean, I'll leave it up to you. It's but uh
3: probably going to be Siberia. I mean, with our okay. limited numbers and it's it makes geographical sense. And it's right, the plane will reach we, there.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. We now have a plane,
3: which yes. we will kit out to be our tiny home.
0: <laughs> you mean like those people that live in vans are going to live in a plane? Yeah. Oh, how cute. Uh, Ladies I and gentlemen. I claim the cockpit as my bedroom.
1: When when someone watches a little too much HGTV, let's <laughs> kit it out like a tiny home.
3: <laughs> okay, Catherine would love HGTV. And- I understand wait, wait. that. And tiny, you know, lighthearted sidebar. Grey's Anatomy so she could laugh at it and point out all of the medical inaccuracies.
1: You know, back in the 30s, tiny home meant hobo. And I just want <laughs> you to... So so if you're thinking, if you're going the hobo route, Catherine, yes, this would be your tiny home. Itinerant. Most people wanted... Right.
3: Itinerant, not right. hobo. <laughs>
1: right, I'm sorry.
0: Anyway, is that the right word?
1: Itinerant, yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's I right. guess we should... Um, I mean, we have to find family... Who was who was the one? It was it was Ying Ko that helped us get in the. I think that we should just report back to him anyway because I think he would know what to do with the girls since that yes. was since uh, Chorgi was his aunt, right? Right. So you know, Good just thinking. Explain that you know there were heavy losses on all sides, but we saved the girls, and that okay. way we can kind of finish what we started here. He also might have resources for us to, like, chick, uh, trick out the plane. You know, get rid of the cross Yeah, cross, so yeah. Um, I'm
2: fine with it. I, I didn't have a better plan, so that works.
1: So um, there was no... I mean, on the way in, you weren't prepared to go by plane, so you didn't have any of the secret, you know, shortwave radio symbol uh, signs. The uh, the actual dial indicators, you know, what band and frequency uh, Ying Ko may have been monitoring. So he was on, no one was expecting you, but landing in an an airstrip outside of Kathmandu, the chances of you running into someone else trying to do it at the exact same time of the same day is like one in a hundred. So Ella's Ella puts the plane down. It's fine. She parks it, takes whatever, you know, planes don't have keys. Not back then. So she locks, you know, she sets it to some mode where she's, you know, she can restart it again at a future time. But. You, all, you disembark, the girls go out, everyone's excited, but there's nobody waiting for you. So now you have that, you know, mile and a half, two mile walk back to Kathmandu. The, uh, you all gather your equipment. Or are you leaving things here? What's the general plan? You're just taking everything you can with you, weapons and all that stuff?
0: I think that we should just take the important stuff with us and then we'll kind of leave everything else out here. Because did we leave anything at like the hotel that we were staying at or did we bring everything with us i think we pretty Um, much grabbed everything for like a mountain climbing expedition because i was gonna say it's faye would want to make sure that she has stuff of sid and john and anything that we have left over from Aveline, because she wouldn't want to get rid of that so she's carrying Uh, what she can
1: the chances of anybody robbing plane in this in this yard are Absolutely, almost infinitesimal. So, you don't feel uncomfortable leaving it and shutting the door over. And, you know, th- it's got a big military symbol on it. Right now, no one's going to mess with it. I mean, if it was there for two weeks, they'd probably start poking around. But for today, it's like, oh, somebody official's here. And if we touch the plane, they'll probably shoot us. So, she's still I think you're safe.
0: Yeah, she's still going to take just because of how everything is and just mm-hmm. how quickly things go sour. She's at least taking the important stuff.
1: All right. And everybody's bringing uh, a pistol, a gun.
0: Yeah, yeah Catherine, got, a shotgun. I've got all my weaponry: my
2: cold, my Mauser, and my ritual sword. Because I'm not leaving those things anymore.
1: So you're walking in like a like a like some sort of a domio, a modern day domio, into into the village of uh, Kat into the city of Katmandu.
2: <laughs> exactly. I don't want to be messed with interest. my pickpockets mm. right now because you know we're traumatized.
1: I understand. Uh,
3: medical bag and and you know my
1: guns. Uh, yeah. You escort the children back, back to the outskirts of the city. Every step seems to make their hearts just a little bit lighter. The weather is um, low, high sixties, l- no drizzle, no rain. It's, it's a pretty bright day. It's a little overcast, you know, at times it's a little overcast with cloud cover, but for the most part, it's, you know, it's a, it's a perfect day for a landing, the which she, that, that Ella did everything. Everything's fine. Uh You get to the edge of you get into the city itself and, you know, they don't make a turn to go home. They look to you and and they think they understand that you want to go see their, you know, their, well, he'd be a cousin, right? Nephew and then cousins. Yeah, I think their would be
0: cousin.
1: Their cousin. And uh, they start, they're not running, but they're weaving their way through, you know, the crowd and, and going about their business. I'm going to give you ladies, uh, um, because we've had so many things go horribly amiss. I am going to give you ladies a chance that, to say that either on the plane with Ella in the cockpit or now as you're walking to lock down your story because you really don't want to go in there with half truths or untruths or or truths and have it turn sour. So I think that you should take a minute amongst yourselves or five minutes even, (laughs) and just really think how you want to approach this, this conversation, because you're right. You're going to have to justify and you can do this in your own heads. I mean, you can make this make sense, but you have to justify the fact that the two guys, you know, all this, all of his men were killed. His aunt and uncle were killed and you lost two two men and you need to sort of make that make sense because remember the girls do know just that the guards died by the plane, but they never saw who did it and you didn't, you weren't there right away. It was hours and hours and hours later before you showed up. So somebody killed the guards. That wasn't them. I mean, it wasn't you. So it all has to kind of jive because this guy isn't an idiot. He's a smuggler and he's pretty smart. So I'll go ahead and give the mic over to you ladies for a minute and you figure out how you want to set that up.
2: So, how do we explain to a person that what just happened? I mean, can we even explain it properly? I
0: I don't even know how to begin to wrap my head around everything that just happened. I am just so... I mean, we could just say he knew that the Thule Society and that bastard Mueller were after us i mean that's why he knew that it was a risk we can just say that they beat us up there that we got there at the same time and there was a huge shootout and then at the lake that thing awoken and we could just say that it went after everyone and just decimated that's how we lost that's how we lost sid and we can say that john went missing but we don't know what happened to him and how do we explain a demon
2: god came down from this magical portal to a person who probably has never seen such things? Because I know from experience that when you try to explain someone the boogeyman exists they don't tend to take it well or be
0: believing. I mean I mean, it's a local legend, right? Like everybody I knows about being this. here? No. We don't have um, to say it was a Thakwa, we could just say that it was a creature that just came out and just wreaked havoc. And
3: I don't, I personally don't Think that that's the way to go, as someone who um has it's been explained that the bogeyman is real, and um I still don't take it well.
0: Then how do you want to do it?
3: I I would walk in and be like, hey, uh, good news. Um, here's your nieces. When when we deal with patients and we have to deliver horrible news, we start with something great, like oh my god, we found the girls. Great, done and dusted. And we're here to do that thing for you. Awesome. Um, and then it, he knew that the Germans took them, that the Germans killed Torgi's crew. We throw all the blame on them. And then in the mountains, we all got separated and we lost our half of our group in the climb and we don't know exactly what happened to them. And here we are. God, I'm happy to be alive.
0: Aren't you? I- That doesn't sound like a bad plan, but I mean, what if he's already heard about what happened to the other villages? I mean, we don't even know if it was just that village. What if it's spread down here, too? Keeper, are we in the village?
1: You're in Kathmandu, yeah.
0: I mean,
3: if we bring the girls in and the first words out of his mouth are, you let that thing loose, then...
1: Mel, what makes you think what... Is it just a hunch or what makes you think that maybe he does know what happened on that mountain village in the it, other?
0: It's just because he, I feel like he just has so many connections around here because <clears throat> okay. he is a smuggler that he probably has, you know, he has a hand in every chip bowl at the party. He probably has connections other places. Like he just, he might know. So that's why so, I'm just a little worried about that.
1: And I understand the the timeline. So from the time the village would have been infected and everything went wrong. You're talking about less than 48 hours from the time you arrive.
0: Okay. So it probably so, hasn't hit then. Okay. Yeah,
1: just just to give you a timeline. So when a Ithakwa hit that night, they had a full day and a, and, a, and a little bit more. You guys came into the village. They chased – You know, actually, it would have been almost a full two days. It's just about. So like 30, 34 hours and then chased you off to the side of the cliff. The cliff dropped, came down and then Ella flew back. And the flight was only two hours. And then another thirty minutes to walk in. So you're talking, if anything, fifty hours tops back in the '30s, unless he was getting radio communiques from that village, like you know, every night at 10 p.m. And he's like, "What the hell's going on?" I don't know if he'd have any time to get someone to investigate or understand what's going on there.
0: True. Plus, also, everyone in that village was affected, so news probably wouldn't even be traveling. Okay, then then I'll back down yeah. with it because that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, I
1: see. And I just wanted—I figured if I gave you the hours, you—it you, would make a little. No, it that's would be a more, very
0: helpful. Yeah. yeah okay good then Catherine, let's go with your plan i mean you've given bad news before i'm not really i'm not one that normally does this this is hard
3: it's it's understandable i don't mind speaking ella i don't want to i don't want to take over for the group but i will take take point on this if if i have to
0: i mean Um, ella what do you think do you want to do you want to pipe in or do you just think it would be better all coming from Catherine?
3: Like, you know, one unified...
0: We have to we can't just
2: breeze over the fact that we lost Sid and John walked away, but they fell. It was a climb. They fell. I, I can't even begin to process this right now. We've only just arrived, but it's I mean, he's going anyone... to push, he's going to push, and even if you were to bark at him, say that he, they fell, it's... <sighs> Sid was an experienced climber, he was the one that arranged this whole affair, but John, whatever happens to him, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if I want to say that he's dead, I mean, he you was my ha- friend, and ha- I don't... In the,
3: firefight, in the firefight, we got separated. I don't know where John is. In in the climb, Sid fell. I'm not an experienced climber. Ella's and, not a good climber. And, and, in the effort he to, offers, and in the effort to save us, he fell.
2: And if he offers to go looking for them, or questions why we did not go look for them, or returned
3: without them? We're three women alone in the mountains fleeing Germans. I, I could keep going all day.
1: Yeah, Ella. It's not uncommon in mountain climbs if, if there's, especially in like even today, if you fall over a certain height. Now you weren't quite at that height, but if you fall over twenty two thousand feet, you you don't come you don't come down. So it wasn't quite that high, but you were also being chased, and there was and your three women, and the expense to go up and get somebody if, if and there's crevasses, there's things you can explain someone disappearing in a mountain, and and they wouldn't think anything of it. That part's okay.
2: She doesn't know that, so that's why she's bringing you it understand. up. But it's, of course, um, she'll, would... she'll drop it with that because, like, Catherine's point is valid.
0: All right. Yeah, Faye that's would you. also look at her and be, "Look, I have been on, I've been on expeditions before, and people know when there's no chance to go back. People know when somebody is lost for good." I think he's just going to be so happy that he sees his cousins and that we return them. I don't think he's going to bring it up. And if he does, then we can just say that we saw him. We saw him fall, both of them. Oh, so yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I think we should just go in and just get this over with so we can just get the hell out of here. I never want to see this place again as long as I live.
1: You go, You make your way into the, into the bar, into the tavern. And immediately they see the kids, you know, the bartender, and he's he's delighted. But then he sees there's only three of you he looks around, doesn't see Chorgie or, his, you know, uh, her husband and quietly walks over and lifts the the tapestry or the heavy rug on the wall. There's a small door there. Again, you know about this. He opens it and everybody lets you in. Guards on the inside see the three of you see the kids that, you know, they, they, they seem happy. But then again, the door shuts. So everyone's already starting to put together that things are not right. Right, this is a risky business that they're in. They're in smuggling. People do eventually sometimes die, but and it's the mountains. So mountains claim people every day. This is not unfamiliar, but it's sad for them. And they bring you in, and inside the 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 floor with the you know the, the beautiful stonework and everything, and the pill and the these co- massive columns decorated in all different Buddhist traditions and ways and things, uh, sitting on the chair. At the end, it, this very well padded, beautiful chair is Ying Ko. and he has several men around him, including one guy sitting on the floor with an abacus, and he's snapping back and forth and he's doing numbers. Uh, but he stops everyone, and he sees the girls, and and he goes running. You know, he comes up, and he actually you can see him. He doesn't care who that anybody even notices that he's so overjoyed. He just comes up and he and he gives them hugs, and they the three of you know he's teary eyed, but the two girls are just in hysterics, crying. They're just so happy to be home, just have someone holding them and you know an adult that they recognize you know someone who has authority and can make them feel like they're back among their own and safe again again listeners uh please forgive my accents i we don't do this to be in any way uh demeaning or you know poking any type of fun but this is a podcast it's a it's a game so we try to give you some elements of of immersion he he says i i can't believe it you 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 got them back i just I'm sure there's much that we need to discuss. Much but get us tea. Bring them bring them tea. Bring uh, and and food. We I need to know what's going on. I I see that there are two of you missing and I don't see my aunt or uncle so I'm sure there's much to much for you to relay to me, but if you can just give me a few moments, I will have refreshments brought for us. I will clear these my associates from the room and then I will get the girls someplace where they can rest and and compose themselves if if I can just bear, you know, upon your patience for a few moments. Of,
0: of course. Whatever you need to do, um, take care of the girls.
1: Mr. Ko. Is that how you say that? Is that just, is it just Ying, or is it Mr. Ko?
0: Is it Mr. Um, is his last name
2: Ying, or is his first name Ko? We don't know.
1: Well, in this part of the world, I think Ying is his first name. Um, the He does, he gets the girls out of the room. Um, you know, he, he ushers them out. They are just chirping at him in uh, the police. They're just boom boom, 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 boom. So you are aware now that he's definitely getting a part of the story where the, the guards that were on guarding him on the plane or guarding them on the plane, that they were shooting something with a lot of shots and they were killed. So as long as that mirrors into your story, right? Cause that's the only thing that they can really relay, right? Is that that's what they saw. Cause that's what they told you on the plane. That's what you were able to get out of the situation. So make sure you mirror that into the story. That you, you know, if you have to calculate something at the last minute, but he takes them out. He nods. He's he's hugging them, uh, and he gives this woman comes and meets him, and she helps her get, get You know, they're young women. He's only so he's only going to do so much to help them get comfortable, especially back then. It's just not appropriate. He they she eventually takes them away. He comes over to his business associates. They pat her off and leave. And um, everybody make a psychology roll.
2: Forty-five. That's a success. It is not a success for me. That is a hard success.
1: He definitely appears shaken. Obviously, he he's wondering what's going on. Appears like he's a little rushed and shoving these people out. So he, the connection, probably to the family, was very strong for him, especially to his aunt and uncle. Like remember, he said that they even worked together on a few on projects occasionally and. The uncle had had you know always been there for him. He invites you up by where he sits, and you know cushions are brought. A, ch- a small table about a foot and a half high is laid down with a, a large platter of of fruits and uh, salt, you know, like cured meats and things, and uh, whatever local flatbreads or whatever they have are there. And and you know, wine is brought out, waters brought. They they just keep they pile everything into, onto this thing and and ask you to sit around it, and he. He's sitting there and he says, so please tell, tell me this this tale must be, must be so daunting and tragic for you not to bring home the two gentlemen who are with you or my, my men. I don't, I, 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 I don't, where do I begin? I, I ask you, please tell me what happened.
3: I'd like to start by saying that, um, I'm deeply sorry for your losses and, and ours we went up that mountain with a goal, and we achieved it, but at great cost. And I'm sure you can understand that this is it's painful to talk about. Faye actually, one of the gentlemen uh, was her intended. So it's very it's very hard for us to to discuss. But we um, we didn't run into anything out of the ordinary for our group on the way up the mountain, you know, a small setback here or there, nothing we couldn't handle. When we approached the top, we were there. Within moments, the Germans had arrived. Moments, hour, two, they were right on top of us. And there was was very little time. Everything, we reacted so quickly and a firefight broke out.
1: I I thought I, I'm so sorry. I thought I had given... I thought the drop point would have given you enough time to be well ahead of them. Were there, there must have been were there substantial delays in your climb?
0: We had to stop at one moment. Um, I unfortunately twisted an ankle, and we had to lay up for about a day. It was my own fault. I feel so. Maybe if that didn't happen, this all wouldn't have happened. We weren't as physically ready as we thought we would
3: be. Nothing could have prepared me for that. We haven't spoken. I'm I'm a nurse. I work in a hospital. I save people's lives. Nothing could have prepared me personally for what we experienced up there. And
1: I'm I'm somewhat aware of your background, Miss Ross.
3: Okay, I don't need to say more. At the top of the mountain, the Germans were at the top, and we were at the bottom of this, at the at the lake, and we had to fight our way up. You got in,
1: pinned down near Rupkund.
3: Yes, and in doing so. There were heavy casualties on both sides. I'm proud to say that, you know, we we punished the bastards for what they've done. We did our best, but they outnumbered us and we, our group fled down the mountain and we ran, we ran. And she's still busted up, right?
1: Yeah, you're scratched. Bru- yeah. Oh yeah. It's only been hours.
3: And, and at one point she acknowledges all of her injuries. At one point I fell. And it was terrifying. I was rolling and falling. And we approached a climb. And and in the climb and in the climb one of our one of us fell. At this, Faye starts crying. And and he tried and he tried so hard. And and as I've said again and again, this is partly our fault. We weren't fast enough, we weren't prepared enough, and we fell, and he fell. And we reached the bottom and it was, we just lost someone and we were now, we felt alone and we ran and we were separated and we got down to the plane. And at this point, it was three of us alone, three women, and we couldn't, we hadn't found the girls yet. And we approached, there was an airstrip with the plane that the Germans had acquired and everyone was dead and... I couldn't tell you what killed them. I don't know. The girl—I don't know if the girls can tell you—but the the men were dead, and but in the plane was the girls, and we barely made it out of there through flight.
0: We were, were they so, shot? Yes, they were bloody. It's—we were just—we were so relieved that we found the girls. We were—we were so I'd... worried, and from then on, our only focus was to get the girls, keep them safe, and get the hell out
3: of there. Get ourselves out of there. Like, we'd already experienced injury, death, separation, but we're alive. We obtained our objective, we found the girls, and we can keep going. And I fell in love with with your city when I arrived here, but too much has happened. And I'm sure my companions would agree with me. We would like to rest, and we would like to leave.
1: Of course. I understand. I am... In tremendous debt to you. I owe you more than you possibly could even imagine at this point. How can I help you? What what do you need from me to... To at least... Make yourselves feel safe and then... Proceed on your journey, whether it be home or to... Your next port of call. What... What can I and my men do?
2: Ella, what do you need from the plane? We didn't acquire the plane by... Means of... Purchase. It was... We commandeered it for our uses, and we'd rather it be stripped of its sigils and markings that could identify it.
0: It was from the Germans. We can't bear to look at it
2: anymore.
1: So you need me to make make the plane less official-looking?
3: Yes, yes.
1: that yes. I will tell you that model, though, it is not incredibly common, except in a German design, but I can perhaps... I will definitely I can paint it for you I can do those things but someone who is very knowledgeable in planes will still recognize it as German but that is not many people can do that there are some I will not say it's impossible uh especially if I take the color and make it white it would definitely give a you know it won't have its military gray and and sigils but it is still the controls are in German on the inside and the outside shape of the plane is very German military, but not everyone, like I said, most would not be able to tell that.
3: Can we, if this is not something you can do, I understand, the the idea came to me. Can we give you this plane in exchange for a plane of a similar build? We don't need a large one. Our group isn't large. We need a a reliable plane, something safe to fly that can travel.
1: Uh, Miss Ross, I would be honored to swap with you, but I have nothing as good as that plane. That plane is in excellent condition and its range is far better than anything i have
3: i appreciate your honesty yes and you. and your offer to help us um disguise it
1: yes it has it has an extended capacity for fuel it it is the range on that plane is excellent i would be i would be taking too much of an advantage of you to just give you something the, um, one of the mountain hoppers that i'm still using
0: thank you no thank you it's you're very kind to offer to paint it for us, and the only thing else that we would require is just a safe place to rest our heads and You We will stay it. here.
1: We will stay here in, in the apartments we have in this building. There is no place safer in Katmandu.
0: Thank you, sir. We will only be here for, I imagine, just a day or two. Unless my companions say otherwise?
3: A day two Tops, just to rest, to sleep. I need to... Um, if you'd like, I can examine the girls if they're... I don't believe they're injured in any way, but I'd like to perform a cursory examination of my friends, myself. I'm a little busted up.
1: Of course, of course. I. The and...
3: last thing, um, relating to the plane, is there anyone in town, or perhaps one of your associates could assist us, in creating some documentation to make it look like the plane is ours?
1: We have men who could come up with something. It would be, I won't be able to make them look like German documents, but I can make them look like documents as if you bought it from someone in, let's say, China.
0: That would be perfectly fine. Thank you so very much. That is all we require.
1: Of course. You will also find um, Miss Ella. uh, He says to you, Ella.
2: Yes.
1: He says the radio on that plane is also second to none right now. It is a shortwave radio that is... Capable of going many hundreds of miles to get messages, and it is powered by a very strong f- cell of, of batteries. That that plane is—you will be—it'll serve you well if you can fly it, and obviously you can. So, so Ella, he offers if you ask him. Let's do it this way: if you tell him that you can fly it, but you're not amazing at flying it, he can—he will offer if you want to spend a week in Kathmandu. He will offer to have one of his better pilots take you out in the plane and give you a chance to fly it. You'll be doing it every day, several hours a day, and I will give you a plus ten to your current skill. I
0: think that's to, well. Yeah. Do you we want to stay that long? I think that that's well worth it. I will. I will suck it up and stay here. It's I'll drink. Me-
3: I'll drink beer with the locals again, Ella. If you think it's valuable, <laughs> done. Like, yeah. you know, Catherine I mean, and I are just
0: going to become alcoholics to cope. So when when it's ready to go, just come to the bar, tap us on the shoulder, and we'll just stumble into the plane.
2: <laughs> All right. Um, yes, Mr. Yinko, I would very much appreciate the lessons of your finest pilot. And by finest pilot, I mean the one that handles the rickshaw company as well
1: of course. He'll show you how to land on shortened re- runway strips and be able to take off in mountain terrain like this. It, it'll be, I hope it'll be most valuable to you. I will make sure that I, he'll be coming in this evening. I will have him ready at your disposal tomorrow morning at as soon as you are ready to, to begin your training. Ask if there is a certain where you are heading. I may I may have contacts in the area that would be able to guide you on your journey to to wherever you're going next. I You don't have to give me specifics, but just a region, I may know someone that you could look in, look up, look up or work with that can secure documents or other things that you may need. I, I, like I said, I am deeply in your debt. Losing my aunt, my aunt and uncle were, will always, there will always be a hole in my heart, but to have their daughters back is, my family can continue and, and we are, I am reunited with, with my cousins. It's most important to me.
0: Your aunt and uncle were such wonderful people. I'm so sorry again for your loss.
1: He nods. and
0: I believe um, that my companions and I are going to take our journey to Siberia.
1: This is interesting because we are very fortunate indeed. I'm glad that you were willing to trust me with this information. I, due to the revolution and the lockdowns in Russia at the moment, it is not easy to get in and out of that country. If you are... Truly planning on going there and that is your your wish, you will need to go to Leningrad. That is the only way in from the from the west and even from from where we are located here. When you get to Leningrad, you will go to I will give you the name before you leave of a establishment there. It is a small cafe in Leningrad. And I will give you the name of a man who most days takes his luncheons there. That is where he can be found. And he will definitely be able to secure your identities in Russia and make it official that you are inside their borders at this time and and it should keep you safe.
0: We're in your debt. Thank you so much.
1: He bows. So he says, with any luck in the next few days, I will be able to fully repay your, your, your bravery. And the fact that you've kept my family as safe during this terrible, terrible ordeal.
0: Just keeping us safe. is just, I'm happy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you're you're my new best friend, sir. Uh. Excuse you, I am right here. <laughs> no, Faye's behind your back, just like flipping you off with both her hands. Like, thank you, Faye. We're gonna be sharing a bed,
3: okay? Like three women, like in one bed. Oh yeah, you no, just don't we be are. Alone.
0: We're but gonna if- have we're gonna have a chair up against the door. Um, I kind of want to nail the window shut. We all have to be in the same bed with a gun under each pillow. It's top-notch security, baby. I'm not going anywhere.
2: <laughs> yep. Ella, are you up for a cuddle pile? Um, yeah. Do you need to ask me?
0: I oh. need some cuddles. <laughs> if Aveline was still here, she would be like, no, don't touch me. And then go and, like, sit by the window with her rifle up at the ready. Yeah. Yep. So that's and the And then play. I
2: shoot the churro guy. Because <sighs> I right. thought it would be a weapon. <laughs>
1: So, Ella, what um, the next day, you guys, food is made available to you. Alcohol is not a problem. Uh, anything you want is not a problem. Clean clothes are brought. But the room is very, it's super high end. It's, you know, it's an 8.59, probably the best room in Kathmandu besides his own bedroom. Uh, and it's got a, a tub inside, and a woman comes in and she fills it with water. Everybody gets to take a bath. And they even recycle the water between baths, which is very nice. I think that's, you know, that shows top notch hospitality. Ella, you go out flying um, – what time do you get up in the morning is standard for you? Is it – are you going out there pretty early so you can get the idea of getting up in the air and getting the most hours you get out of it? Or
2: Yeah, I mean I would try to be up at 6.30 if not 6.
1: Okay. So yeah, you're out, you're out to the – they have a, uh, a car waiting for you every morning that takes you to the airfield very quickly. And true to his word, his pilot's there. He's a guy. He's in his – Late thirties, maybe forty, because sometimes people from that part of the world can look a little younger than they actually are. Uh, but he's, you know, fairly handsome, very nice. His name is Ricar R I K I R Ricar, and he, uh, you get to know him very well. He speaks English is really good. He teaches you the radio. He shows you basic commands on, on the ground, how to check everything and make sure everything's intact. He knows the plane fairly well, even though most of it's in German, because he's so such a good pilot. He everything's pretty much in the same area on any plane. Like there's not too many things that are different. But he does teach you. He does give you a, a refresher course quickly, and within an hour, you're up in the air again. And and he's he's guiding you low passes on mountains. He's coming. You know, he's doing dips and what happens if one engine goes out on you. He's doing everything he can to build up your confidence in the seat. And that's going to be your week. Okay, so we're going to leave you there for a minute. Great. So that's, we're going to say that this is, you start your lessons on Friday, and by the following Saturday, you all will be ready to, the group will be ready to travel again. Uh, HP will be back up to full in a week because you gain two a day. If Ella, your uh, MP is also back up, you're going to, you don't have to roll because that's more than enough time to convalesce and kind of get your head back together if you're not using your your power and spells. You know, you're not doing any clairvoyant work. That's great. Um, yeah, everything's going according to plan. On the following Wednesday, there's a knock on the door uh, about 10 in the morning. Ella uh, is gone. Faye, you and Catherine are there. You just finished breakfast out on the – like this little – it has a small balcony on the, the side of the hotel that overlooks – into that looks up into the hills and the mountains. It's very beautiful se- – It's a, it's a beautiful view. And they have the doors open and you've been sitting there. It's got just a little like a little two-seater or three-seater little dinette type or kitchen – little small round table. And you've been having some fruit and other local delicacies. And there's a knock on the door. And uh, Ying Ko is standing there. So uh, let's do this. Who answers it? Faye? Okay. I'll
0: answer it, yeah.
1: Ying Ko's standing there. And he says, oh, I'm so glad I was able to catch you before you went out for the day. Miss Ross, Miss Faye, I, I believe that I'm ready to repay you for your generosity. I know Miss Walcott is out with the pilot, but the two of you, if you would please... Come with me. I have something I wish to give you both, especially you, Miss Ross.
0: Okay, yeah, we're. Great. I, I look back at Catherine. I'm like, let's, yeah, let's, let's go.
1: He brings you down um, through the main chamber downstairs. Uh he, He's, you know, he, he's where he normally holds his audience and stuff. And he's making his way towards another side room. And he says, if the two of you will just wait here for a moment, and he points to the side of a, one of the larger columns, and he says, and just give me a moment. I will m- make sure that. Your gift is prepared for you. Just a moment. And he starts walking away. And he opens the door and you hear him converse with someone. And this large guy in a suit steps out and looks around and he says, and he points, and there's two young women there. And they're giggling and they come up and they take his arms and they start escorting him out. He looks at the two of you and puts his fingers to his lips, motions you over.
3: I'll stop. Does Ying, forward. Does Ying Ko, hold on, hold on. Does Ying Ko motion us over or does- yes?
1: The, yes. No. Oh. The gorilla was taken away by the young women.
3: Okay. Great. He's not here anymore.
1: No. He's was walked. He, they they pulled him away.
3: Was he white? Yes. Okay.
1: He okay. was like 6'4", 54 inch chest, arms like tree trunks.
3: Great.
2: Big one. guy. Okay. Gorilla.
0: Is that what you trying <laughs> to tell me? All right. Books, um, movies, everyone. <laughs> I will. I'll. I'm gonna step forward, but I'm kind of. I'm a little on edge. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm ready I, to react if something yeah. is weird. I've brought a pistol. I'm just letting you
1: know. Well, that's interesting, because as you approach...
0: But I have okay. my forehead.
1: Well, then you're fine. Yeah. As you approach Catherine, he reaches to his, inside his jacket, pulls out a pistol, flips it, and hands the, the handle to you. And he says, I think you'll want this.
0: Oh, thank you. Uh, are, are we going to duel?
1: He opens the door, and sitting there is Matthew.
3: What? Oh, mother, of no. <laughs> mother of God. No, mother of God.
1: Matthew's eyes go wide and he says, "I'm sorry, Caravaggio, but I owe these two women a great amount. While I was supposed to betray them to you, I can't do that because of they saved my blood. And for that, I'm going to repay their th- the debt that I know that they owe you. You should not have given me all the information that you did, sir, but I'm sorry that our business arrangement can no longer stand. I will miss the money and miss working with you, but this is a blood debt and it has to be settled. And he bows to you, Catherine, and he steps away. And you see Mar- Matthew just looking at you like, okay. So the smuggler worked with Caravaggio and he was supposed to give you over to him when you got back. Instead, He's turned the tables on him and given Matthew to you guys.
0: Dear sweet Marie, <laughs> I look at Matthew and I go, "Hi bitch, bet she regret firing me now." Um
1: he, he leans back in the chair and crosses his leg. He sits is he and says, "He's tied up?" "No." Huh. "No, he he thought you were being dressed up and brought to him."
3: "Okay. Um
1: Do you hold the gun on him, I'm assuming?"
3: "Yeah, I cocked the pistol I pointed at him and I go, Faye, I need you to give me 5 minutes."
0: You got it, baby cakes. And I look at Matthew and I go, I just, Faye is just laughing because she is just so, after everything that's happened, this is just the icing on the cake. She's one of those people that like laughs when she's panicked or she just doesn't know what to go. And she's just like, oh my God. And I just, I kind of like, I just kind of clap Catherine on the shoulder. I'm like, you enjoy yourself. I'll be, I'll be here. Whatever you want me to do, minding my own business. Not even here if you don't want me to yep great Keeper what's in the room
1: it's an office okay. he's just sitting and he's not behind the desk he's in front of it because it it's a small desk it's a place where Yinko sometimes brings guests and right. discusses private matters or signs he's just sitting in a chair and he's semi he's facing you and he looks at you and he says hello dearest
3: I think we're past that don't you think it's a bit um it's been a bit too long for terms of endearment
1: well that's sad to hear. Are you going to come in and shut the door or just stand there?
0: She shuts the door. Am I outside? Y- yes. Okay. At, um, at the shutting of the door, I kind of lightly knock on it and I go, you have any issues? You yell. And I'm in there in two seconds. I can bash through this door. Don't you test me. Thank you, Faye. I'm serious. Thank you. So
1: he says, he puts his hands up slowly and says, may I have a cigarette? It feels like it may be my last you have two? I do. He reaches in, cracks open a very, very antique, very (laughs) special-looking Silgorello case, something that probably costs more than a nurse makes in two years, and he takes two and pats them down, puts both in his mouth, lights them both with a very nice lighter, and then hands one to you.
3: I step closer to him and I take it.
1: He draws on him. he's not making any moves. He knows you have a gun on him. He's not There's nowhere to run at this point.
3: Okay. This talk is long overdue. Very well. I go around the table and I sit down.
1: He turns to the chair to face you.
3: You're a son of a bitch. I I can't think of worse things to call you. I I'm in shock. I So am I. My heart feels like it's about to burst out of my chest and and I'm torn between listening to you and pulling this goddamn trigger. And I hate that I'm torn.
1: For the record, I was here to, yes, have you brought to me so that I could get you out of this mess. But
3: Uh, Oh, so you say, to what end? And what would have happened to the rest of, like, to my friends?
1: Your friends are dwindling very rapidly, unfortunately. This mission is, I never should have put them in the places that I did and tried to assemble this team. I thought these were more resourceful people but it turns out that f- I have too many there are too many other parties now involved looking for these relics I I'm in over my head at this point Catherine
3: You're in over your head I I have a cottage I have a cottage on the outskirts of London I I, 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 I sew sutures I I I change bedpans I assist in surgery You're in over your head How did why? Why? Why do you need these relics? Why did you... Why did you run? What happened to you?
1: We lost too many friends, Catherine. We lost too many friends. I couldn't... Everyone I couldn't did! Do an...
3: Everyone did!
1: And for what? For pieces of real estate that went back to their original owners in the first place. Nations at war that had nothing to do with you and I. But I knew that from your position where you were helping people and saving lives, you would never be comfortable leaving. Nor would you be okay with me just abandoning my duties but my regiment was nearly wiped out there was only a few of us left what was i how many times was i to go over the wall until what i wasn't alive to have you anyway so my choice was to not have you be because i was dead and have you mourn me or to have you mourn me and at least be alive i wish i could have reached out to you but i knew what point was there it would only restir our feelings for one another and to be honest with you catherine it was the hardest thing i ever did i, I don't
3: I, care about that i
1: you asked why i left
3: and i i don't accept your reasoning
1: catherine you've proven to be a very brave woman braver than i even could have imagined with some of the things that i'm sure you faced but it was happening to us every day there was no, there was no respite they there was no answer for the trench you saw the men coming through you know the numbers of bodies that were l lo- that the if that was the end that you wanted for me and would have kept your love i'm not sure that we ever that is that truly love would you be happier that someone lived i'm sorry that it hurt you but i know my choice would always be for you to live even in ignominy i would never have said to myself oh well i'll love catherine more if she died for an honorable cause no i want catherine to live and you have lived and you've lived and you've done well and these missions have become far da- more dangerous than i ever anticipated I wasn't aware as nearly of the the fact that the occult was this real. I thought these were artifacts that someone was going to pay tremendous amounts of money for. And I do have a buyer. But all for naught. The Germans are here, Catherine. The Nazis.
3: Yes, we- I know. We've...
1: I, I am aware. Yinko has filled me in. Because I thought that he was working with me, not against me.
3: And that's what being a good person gets you. How... There's a million things to say, and the last thing I'm going to mention about our past, and then I'm only going to talk about the present. Do you understand me?
1: You hold the gun.
3: You claim to know so much. You know about my life, you you know about what's been going on here. Do you know what I did? I risked a court-martial. I risked a firing squad. I did something that, as a woman, is unthinkable for you, and for nothing. You put a a stain so black upon my heart. Your death didn't affect me as much as that. Do you know?
1: I... I did not know. But I am sorry. I'm sure that's nothing that will console you, but... You're right. I am but I, sorry. Needed,
3: I needed to hear you say it. Your parents still live in the cottage on St. Thomas Street by the church.
1: They still receive a stipend from the army because of my death. They think that they get paid that handsome sum of money because I was a captain. They don't realize that that money would have dried out long time ago. Your uncle's well, I know.
0: And that brings me to this. Faye, um, I burst through the door with my fist up. I'm like, what? Do you try anything I, stupid?
1: What are you doing, like a, a Samwise? Back off, Longshanks!
0: Look, leave listen, him alone. listen.
1: Have at you,
2: Longshanks.
0: Catherine, I I feel I feel close to Ella. You know, I'm I'm growing with Ella, but I it takes just, time. I get it. Yeah, I have just lost three important people after losing a bunch of other important people. Catherine is one of my only long term people left. I will smash Matthew's head against that desk until it's pulp. If he lays a finger on her.
1: He is handsome.
0: I don't care.
1: Just want to point that out.
0: Thank you. I'm so glad that I have that detail in my arsenal.
2: Even as
0: he runs away from the battlefield. (laughs) I I come in and I'm like, ready. I'm like, what? Is everything Okay. Did you do anything stupid? I point to him. Darling, do you have a notebook? something
3: I, I can't be the only person to hear this information
0: yeah yeah yeah. no problem my mind is a vault but um i i pull out oh, good. um good to know yeah i look i mean it's an office i yeah there's
1: I, paper on the desk i look and until you.
0: i find some paper and a pen and i just kind of sit down and i make a flourish of just kind of sitting down getting my pen ready and i just look matthew fay fay matthew
1: i'm aware of miss dawson thank you it's but- so
0: nice to finally meet you you son of a bitch and, and you thank you which brings me to my questioning.
1: Sorry to hear about your father.
3: Oh, you shut you. up! You you shut up!
1: I'm simply expressing the fact that she lost her father and half sister. I, I
0: oh yeah, Your I I men shot her. Hold on, yeah, I lost my half sister because of an order that you gave. You're not going to fool me. You're not going to try to charm me. Okay, nobody can charm me. All right, I'm a stone cold bitch. Anyway, continue.
1: <laughs> Please. Uh, <laughs> <I'm a> stone- <laughs> I'm a stone-cold bitch.
3: Listen. Okay, he fell in love with Catherine Ross. You said that. You just bumped up
0: two points of attractiveness for this man. Look, Faye is just trying to put on an air of, you're not going to get me, you bastard. But yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to write down. Okay,
3: so you mentioned my uncle, that you know he's well. Yes. How is my uncle involved in this? Why did you bring the group together? You set a buyer you have a buyer you didn't know about all of this occult things. Speak!
1: I pulled strings by using context within and without the Cobalt Club to track down what I thought would be a group of individuals that would be able to obtain these items of power that were mentioned in Madame Blavatsky's prophecy. But I did not come across this information freely of my own. It was someone who came to me and asked if these relics were even obtainable. Being who I am, I did some research into why these particular odd relics would be on someone's wanted list and then came upon the prophecy itself. When I did a little bit more digging, um, I realized that there were quite a few people out there that would be that had the means and would be very interested in collecting not just relics of art, but relics what they thought were of power. When all this began, I had no idea that these powers were real. Who would have, if you walked down the street today and told, grabbed a thousand people, maybe three of them would believe any of the stories that you have, Catherine, the things you've seen. The world is behind a veil, and I was there too. And as the reports came in and as I started to understand who my enemies were that were coming for these items as well, I began to realize that there must be something more to them. The German military? Practical men now with a fool society? Crowley himself advising them and Edith a Day? Who? That's Edith A Day.
0: That was his first wife, right?
1: No. No. That was Rosie. That was Rosie
0: De
1: Edith A Day is a woman who on the day that Carter uncovered Tutankhamun. She was reported that by family and friends that she, again, the news hadn't traveled back to England yet. But on that specific day, at supposedly that specific time, she claimed that someone was inside the Great Crypt and had triggered off several of the traps. She also started going on about a curse. And supposedly she has information about the Great Temples at Karnak. And has described in great detail memories that she has of the buildings and the setting there. Archaeologists at first thought she was insane. Everybody did. But they did some simple digging this season. And lo and behold, they have found an entrance to a tomb right where she said it would be.
3: And she's assisting the Germans.
1: Herr Mueller has got his hands on Edith a day.
3: And... Did I... Did I... Did you say Crowley as well?
1: He's been in Berlin for some time. Yes, we know. The Fool Society, you don't think he has some contacts within it? Men who share or were part of the old Golden Dawn reg- regime, like your father, Miss Dawson? If, if they're all united against me, there's no way I'm going to be out able to run and gun or collect these items if Mueller is after them. I'm, as I say, in over my head. I...
0: So you weren't working with Mueller?
1: No, my so- aim is my aim has always been to collect the the money from them, and re- we th- I thought with this score I could retire.
3: You still haven't said who your buyer is, and I won't. That's not. We're trying to save the damn world, Matthew. This isn't about money anymore.
1: My, if the, my buyer doesn't have the items, what difference does it make? Without all six, he's not willing to pay.
3: And and let- and you have
1: them. And you're never going to give to me, Catherine, so I'm not going to give up my... No. No, that's not going to happen.
3: I didn't think it would. It would be information that would keep... That would help us in this endeavor. Something that we'd be prepared for. My God, are you really... To keep yourself safe, you're really going to...
1: Safe? I'm being held at gunpoint by my ex-fiancee, who I have betrayed in more ways than one. Do you really think I'm leaving this room?
3: And... So give me the damn name.
1: If I give you the name and this man is aware of it, how will my wife and child survive? If you come after them, Catherine, I'm sorry.
3: Speaking of which, why would you name your daughter after me, you sick? Sick?
1: Why? Why? Because, because what more pure and great love is there between a father and his daughter? You were my first and my the person I cared for the most. I insisted that she be named after you.
2: Oh, I know. I'm just doing it for the (laughs) lols. I'm doing it for the (laughs) lols.
0: What about that? Okay, you love Catherine so much. The hell was that thing that you put on her then?
3: Yeah, I'm going crazy. I'm losing my mind, Matthew.
1: It can. I hopefully it can be undone.
0: Hopefully. Hopefully. What What even is it? Yeah, what does AWAS mean to you?
1: It meant nothing originally.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Ladies, I don't know what else I'm going to be able to say to get you to believe or understand the situation. I flew here today because I had asked all of my contacts throughout Europe and the East that if any of you should show up, that I be notified. When Yingko said that you had gone into Rupkund with the team of Scully and Sid and this new woman who I'm not sure how she plays into everything yet, and that you were going for the bu- for the item of power, realizing that Mueller was now involved, as Yingko told me the Germans had been here, I came to stop this. I came to at least get you, Catherine, out of it. I'm sorry, Miss Dawson. You weren't my first priority.
0: You're not mine either. What the hell were you going to do with uh, Catherine, I, then? Take her away? Whisk her away? You think she was going to go with you willingly?
1: No... That is why Garza was here. But irrelevant.
0: You were gonna
3: put me in the hands of the big guy?
1: We were going to get you out of here, Catherine. With or without your permission, I'm sorry, but I wanted to drag you out of this.
3: And and you know what I've realized over the course of these months? Not that you care. But I'm not you. I'm not gonna run. I've wanted to. Believe me. At every twist and turn, this is... You've inadvertently thrown me in to the deep end of weird here. And and you know what? I'm not running. I'm not you. I don't care if it's safer. I would, however, like to know what the hell this curse is that you put on me. What does it mean? Hopefully it can be removed. What did you do to me? What is AWAS?
1: AWAS is the spirit that gave Crowley's first wife the the translation of the book that he called the book of law crowley is very skilled and powerful but there are mistakes I've come to understand that awas unfortunately is not the protective spirit that I thought it was when I placed that Gaius on you I was under the impression that it would be something to help keep you safe it is not awas is just another name the Egyptian priests called shakol
0: Oh, there we go. That solves that. It's fabulous.
1: We can remove it. I'm sure there's a way. My my resources are not limitless, but they are incredibly stout. I will make sure that my people do whatever it takes to, make, to get you safe again if you f- just leave with us now. Let's just get this behind you. I will get you back to England. I will take care of this. It's I will make it right. There's no way I can outmaneuver Mueller and the German army. There's just not.
3: Catherine is really she's torn, she's confused. She wants this curse offer, especially knowing now that it's not AWAS, whatever AWAS is, it's Shikotl. Right. And she hears it in her head. And it's evil. And the mountain, it made her sleepwalk. And that was scary. She sighs and looks a little defeated. Turns to Faye. What do we do? What do I do?
0: What do you mean, what do you do? You, I We kill him and we leave. I, kill him? He's supposed to- He can get the thing off me. Supposed to- I kind of- I just like- I kind of like take Catherine's hand and I pull her to the side. I know that Matthew can still hear us. I'm like, when we came in here- you wanted to end him. You didn't trust him after everything that he did to you. Now, because he has, he's trying to bribe you with something that you want, and he knows how desperately you want it, now you're going to go with him? Are you kidding me? I thought you were smarter than this, Catherine. Whoa, whoa. He is very obviously trying to play into what you need and what you want, To get him to come with you, he's manipulating you. You know that there's other ways that we can figure this out. You know that I will help you in any way that I can to get this thing off of you. He is not that answer.
1: Miss Dawson, in all honesty, I'm trying to get her away from you as well.
0: Oh yeah, and why? I'm the one, I've been helping her through this whole thing. I've protected her.
1: You're a magnet for disaster.
0: Disaster is my middle name, but I have never hurt Catherine the way that you have hurt her okay i will never let anything happen to catherine as long as i am breathing you understand me you abandoned her you left her
1: you to a life that she wanted that she was comfortable in you pl- that she
0: you placed a some- curse well- on her you have sent people after her he didn't know us. he didn't know catherine i know you're not seriously considering going at- with him
3: I'm not going with him like i'm not going to leave I want this thing off of me, but I'm not just going to fly back to wherever the- Where would we even go?
1: I have a contact in Geneva that we could stop by on the way to get
0: you home. Exactly. You can't. You're going to believe him after everything that has happened between you two.
3: I don't know, Faye. I'm a liability to you. Every night that I go to sleep, I worry that I'm going to wake up somewhere else and- It's horrifying. I'm... Faye, I've been drugging myself to sleep every night in the hopes that I won't wake up bloodied and bruised. God forbid. Uh, I've killed people. What if I wake up somewhere? I have to think. I have to think. I have to think. I don't know what... Take Take this fucking gun out of my hand. Take it. Like, she's actually, like, afraid to be holding it right now. Like, I can't...
1: Who are you giving it to,
3: Faye? obviously.
1: Okay, just asking.
3: <laughs> I'm not gonna give it to Matthew, are you kidding me? I take it.
1: Make a psychology roll for me. Actually, no, for you it'd be on your let's use your intel.
0: Uh 32, that is a hard success.
1: Remember remember that moment when Catherine had to do something desperate that you watched, but it was for the right it was the right thing to do because your father was being
0: hurt. I was thinking the same thing, but I don't know how this is going to go. I feel like I have all the answers I need. I'm going to shoot Matthew in the head. Okay. I'm killing Oh my God. No. What do you mean? <laughs> did, you, did you say that out loud? No. no she's oh, fuck like, no. I'm oh not God. saying that out loud. I am just, I'm thinking about everything that he has ever done to you. And I know for a fact that if you go back to England, I don't know what he's going to do to you. I don't know... He has a wife and a child. He can't bring you back there. You think that he's just gonna let you go after everything that you've seen? After everything that you know about him? There's no way. I turn and I shoot him.
1: And I think that's where we'll close this one out.
0: No, 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 you can't do that to me! No, no! Oh my god, no! Faye got to
3: have a moment afterwards! God, no!
2: <laughs> Wait, we're stopping right when this shit occurs? Oh Gosh my god, darn it's no! Darn it, sir.
1: <laughs> so listeners we wanted to take a moment to discuss with you a little bit of 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 this show and what it means to do it and how we we kind of uh have been dealing with some of these characters going in and out now with that you know about um the ladies are here tonight and and they agreed to talk about although i'm still getting lauren stop typing um where i'm still getting so call of cthulhu has always been um a, a darker universe and and it's it does occur The players, as they jump in, that they, you know, there is a chance of losing someone. Uh, But these role players that you've been listening to now for over 50, 50 or 60 hours have have put their heart and soul into these characters. And if you've never role played a character before, you've never played a game, imagine playing a a Monopoly game for five hours and how angry you are when someone finally wins and it's not you. You like, you want to tip the table over. So imagine having a role playing character that you build stories for and you roll these dice for and they face all these dangers and then to have them just die. What I what I find interesting though about the situations that have been happening in this in this show and in role playing in general uh, for this particular campaign is that these situations have been RP situations and not death by dice. So normally in a campaign, what will happen is a character will either get sh- – the campaign will will fall apart, which happens seven times out of ten. Um, people's lives change, situations change, and they just can't keep going with it. So the party breaks up and the the saga never finishes. So that's probably six out of ten. Then you have Death by Dice, right, where characters just die because of bad rolls, and the monster steps up and, and hacks them with a sword or shoots them with a gun or whatever. And then then there's RP Death, and that's willingly giving up this thing that you've put your heart and soul into and and a lot of your talent, which these these players have an amazing amount of talent. I'm blessed to have such such good R, R, RPers. Um, and they make a choice. So Ella, let's start with uh, – Kay, let's start with you. There came a point when you thought to yourself, with Aveline, when one of the the Mueller clones, the one of the five, was standing there, and you didn't know it was a clone. You thought it was Mueller somehow again. Um, and he had those guys up against the wall, and you knew the hostages weren't going to survive. You knew he was never going to let anybody walk out of that room. You made a you made a choice as a player to give up this character, a character who had been so integral to the success in Venice, to getting information for the team. Um, Was that hard for you or did it just come naturally like you were, no, this is what she would do and I'm not going to stop.
2: Well, it was a, it was a complex thing of, I feel like Aveline and this group and what they were doing. It wasn't conducive completely to her personality because the whole thing in Venice with the kids and how like frustrated everyone got with her with the children being saved. She is a vigilante and a good hero at heart. So she, She's like, if we're not saving the small things in between, what are we going to do? Like if she survived the Himalaya, like let's say she didn't die with Mueller and she went through the Himalayas, it would have broken her and I would have had her walk away like dear old Scott did because that just would crush her. But it was a it was a pretty easy decision to say this. She's not leaving. There's no way in my right mind that this character that I have put so much love into to make her act against her demeanor and her choices that she's made in the past. So the fact is she did it would the consequence of me staying was getting shot. I don't regret it. It sucks that I can't play her, but at the same time it there was no way I was going to role play her incorrectly.
1: Okay. So that now let's go over to to um Lauren. So Lauren, you've you've witnessed three of these events, right? You witnessed two choices, you witnessed Aveline you weren't you didn't witness the actual moment but you've you've played through Aveline st- standing her ground you've played through Sid where some of the dice rolls slowed the descent down enough where Sid had to make a choice and Sid made a choice and now you've witnessed John Schooley who is broken right all three different ways like one one sort of happened because of events around him he couldn't control them and he got caught at the top of the at the top of the mountain. Aveline said, "No, I'm not leaving, and, and that's just I'm never gonna. I would never leave those people without me here. Someone has to stand up for the little guy. And then you have John, who's uh, basically is so cracked and fractured from the, the decisions that were made along the way that he has to just leave. He can't be a he can't be around good people anymore. You and I know that you're a survivor. You have that survivor instinct in you. You have that." We've talked off air. Like, if anything was there's, if a certain thing is triggered, I will shoot everybody in the party just to save myself. You've you've actually mentioned that in joke in passing as a joke. Do you find this odd, or do you think like this moment with Matthew? Catherine's actually thinking, well, maybe if I go back, I I can fix some of this, or I can you know get this Gaius off me, this this whatever this is. Do you see that you do you see that same stand for her maybe one day or? Does Catherine have that? It's just so strong in her to survive that she'll always find a way to try to get out of things.
3: Personally, um, a lot of me is in Catherine. And, you know, there's two things that are pretty much like the strongest tenants. Um, I I guess three. Um, And in this order, it's, you know, our passion, our, you know, rather assertive, i.e. aggressive way of communicating. Second is survival instinct. And third is that mm-hmm. little, that, you know, reluctant mother henning that happens. Right. Like, I'm in, like, naturally, I feel like I'm very much a caretaker. But, you know, I don't like to show people that I'm, like, vulnerable and, like, a marshmallow. So I'm like, right. I bought you cookies, damn it. Like, that's very much me, but irrelevant. Back to the survival instinct. I, I would be the person to go down swinging. Like, there's, Catherine wouldn't walk away. Lauren wouldn't walk away. You'd
1: Even though to. she keeps threatening to.
3: Yeah, she wouldn't. That was revealed in this episode. That was revealed absolutely. Tonight. Basically, it's it's very loud. It's almost like bandstanding. Like, I'm so upset. I want you to know how upset I am. But at the end of the day, that shows commitment in that, like, look, this is, I'm a fish out of water. I, this is not my comfort zone. But by God, this is my hill. And I'm going to defend it until I go down
1: and i'm not trying to and i'm no way saying that that's a better that that's that's a different style like K- kayla said that aveline you know because of the vigilanism and because of who she was there was no way she was going to leave them in that room that's aveline catherine might have grabbed you know if i gave catherine a chance to run catherine may have run and then got vengeance for them like there's different ways of playing yeah that rp and i'm not saying one is better than the no, other No, but, no no
3: no no it's there's there's ways where my stance is like it could be pig-headed it's you know right you mentioned the joke, not a joke. Of if a certain thing happens, which the keeper has promised me won't, well, but if right. it does, I will TPK. I will, I will run. And yeah, everybody get get new sheets rolled up because I'm not about to go through that. So I understand. Mel is laughing at me. So no, it's I just, just a different don't way get to approach capped. it. <laughs> like one is one isn't better than the other. It's just the beautiful thing about RP is you know what each person is bringing to the table. And right. That if I was playing John Schoolie, or a John Schoolie esque character, would have gone much differently. Just like if I, you know Scott was playing Catherine, things would it would have been
1: gone. Sure, yeah. Mel, you you tend to be willing to throw your 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 forehead, body, and soul into any fight anyway. Um, Hell yeah! So you also have that thought of self sacrifice, and I'm reminded of a game we played earlier where so Mel Mel's uh, partner in life right uh, at the moment, George, uh, who's she's been with for a few years. And um, he played a character called Lincoln Flex. And there was a moment in a, in a campaign when I was first introducing everyone to Call of Cthulhu a while back where he actually turned to her and gave a reason why he shouldn't be the one to sacrifice himself. Uh, I'm young. I'm handsome. I'm a cop. I do good for thing people. Everyone's over there trying to say, take me, take me. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be the one to do the good. And... Oh yeah! <laughs> Here comes George. But not only that, but then there was a moment when the young women, two young women were stuck in a in a tunnel and it was flooding, and he actually said, um, "My swimming isn't so good. Do I have to go down there?" And I said, "No, you don't have to." So again, I think there's <laughs> I think there's survivors and then there's sacrificers. Do you do you see do you see the way f- you're playing Faye as? I mean, she's thrown herself in front of shit a ton of times already. So we know she's willing to sacrifice, but does that play differently for you from character to character? Or do you think that's just something again, that that's inherently part of who you are?
0: It's definitely inherently part of um, who I am because I definitely, I, I I put others before myself. I'm a lot better with it than I used to be, but um, sort of whenever I play a character, I always like to sort of explore a side of me that I don't really let out very often. Like it's, me as Melinda, I'm very, I'm very calculated. I like to think about things. I'm very meticulous. You know, I, I have like a fun side, but Faye is definitely the side of me. She's like my gremlin side. You know, she's just a little chaotic. She just goes for things. She'll start swinging. Like that's right. not when you
1: say when you say you have fun. You mean like light algebra. Um- <laughs> <laughs> divisional math what do you because i'm meticulous i'm but i have a fun side i like to do algebra okay great i
3: like i like she um likes to organ- she likes to organize um
0: her to be read list yeah. uh, oh wow no i'm like yeah. you know i i do like going on like some adventures but right. you know I'm, I'm very much a homebody it's like Faye is not it's so i feel like i'm the most self-sacrificial with fate the last cthulhu game i played i played a lovely librarian named emily And throughout the campaign, it just kind of, it was made very clear that I would have to make a big choice at the end. And it might be a choice that might cost me something. And in that, it cost me my sanity. And I was basically a pariah in my own mind, you know, just sort of, I thought that everyone around me just sort of left me and everyone around me ignored me and didn't want anything to do with me after my sacrifice. But it turns out I'm in a mental institution in a straitjacket and my friends are coming to visit me daily. It's, um,
1: But you're trapped in a world where you think you're without them. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So with Faye, Faye's definitely the most self-sacrificial person that I've played. And I think it's just now because of how much she's lost. Because, I mean, think about it. In the matter of a few months, she's lost a half-sister that she just met. She lost her father. She's lost friends. I mean, she loved Aveline. Sid was her rock. That that was really... I mean, I, I there were real tears that I cried. I even, for a second, was thinking, I'm like, how is Faye going to walk away from this? You know, right. Aveline was hard, but she had her friends. You know, Sid was a huge help with her there. And now he's gone. And now so he's gone. It's just...
1: Right. So let me ask the three of you a question. I'll start again with Ella. Uh, we'll go right down the table, and this will be the last thing I ask. Would you rather a character go out for RP reasons or by dice? Kayla?
2: No, RP. Because dice, it's luck it's a chance and with rp you get to kind of control how they go out it's like i guess like do you mind if i ramble for like a half minute go ahead we play role-playing games to kind of get out of our lives and control something even though the gm sometimes makes it beyond our control like the village situation We, no. What? No, no, no. <laughs> even though sometimes wow, things are out of our control wow. but for the most part we want to be something different and have a little bit of control over some grand story where we get to be a hero and to rp a death out and choose it i feel like it's the better choice because life is way too random as it is and to have dice decide whether you live or die that made me angry like sid's death when you got when you listen to this guys so please make sure to go back and listen to the other episodes if you haven't heard it already spoiler alert (laughs) spoiler alert but hopefully everybody's listening to this in chronological order but i should have prefaced yeah but like sid's death that for me enraged me because it was all a matter of dice rolls like we were rolling all so terribly scott couldn't make a roll to save his life i was struggling oh god i rolled a character I rolled
0: a critical failure, and when
2: I rolled that, my the soul just left my body. Exactly, and we all could feel like something horrible was coming, and it was beyond our control, and there was no way we could have prevented it. That sucks.
1: Lauren, how about you? Would you rather a character grow out because of dice, at least fighting and swinging, or in an RP situation where, you know, I, I know that the RP situation could be fighting and swinging, but would you rather the dice decide the fate of the character, like in a D&D type campaign more often, or would you rather go out on your own terms?
3: there are people in you know role playing games that memorize the rule book and you know they've got they've got it open next to them and they're cross referencing everything i fly by the seat of my pants i roll my d20s and i th- i like to throw like 110 energy when i'm at the table so if i'm going to go it's going to be big and it's going to be because i chose it and not because the little dice betrayed me okay like that's that's my belief and you know what if it, if it comes down to it, like I said earlier, and I have to go down swinging and that's the dice rolling part, fine. But I chose to go out swinging. Although, Keeper, question for you. When someone says, I don't know, in a scene, I'm a cat Matthew in the face, does that derail anything for you? How does that feel when a character goes out like that or a character makes that decision?
1: No, shooting Matthew, I thought, was probably the logical choice at that point. I, uh. I, can, tell you th- I can tell you there's been many times where this group has made me shut down the mic and uh, I have to tear out pages of of little notes that I make. My notes are – I don't want to – I'm going to go back to Mel and get her answer. But my notes are – for the amount that we've done, it's pretty sad the amount of notes I've taken because I don't even have maybe 15 pages handwritten of – and mostly it's bullets like this. I want to make sure it happens. Don't forget this ties to this. This is the person's name. Um, Really, a lot of this is – is just stuff that seems to, in my mind, as a movie follow form, follow a plan, an up and down, up down, up down, and and build the tension where it needs to. I mean, you're a storyteller. Uh, so it's that's yeah. different. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So for me, no, a, de- a derailment. For instance, Ithaqua was a derailment that changes a lot, but it, it's changing it for a good. I mean, now instead of the whole group being here, it's the two of you, and you know, Kayla's out getting Ella's getting more flight training, and Yinko makes this f- decision that. You know, instead of getting paid off to turn you over and have you get kidnapped in Kathmandu by Caravaggio and taken away, and that was all supposed to be set up where the team just had you disappear off the street. He realizes that you've done something so important for his family by saving the kids. Again, you if they weren't in the plane, that wouldn't have happened. Maybe, the, you know, you left without them or whatever. But the decisions you make along the way now turns you heart. And I said, you know what? This guy would have probably done the right thing at this point because he has a blood debt to them. So, yeah, I, I, I think those are all good things. But uh, it derailment. It's all part of. It's all part of why we do what we do. All right, Mel, Last one for you. So RP death or death by dice. Which is which is better for you? And if dice is the way, are you're okay with a dice hit? What's What's your answer?
0: Yeah. So I mean, to a point, it's you know, dice. What's whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You know, it's sometimes you do have to leave things up to the dice. But I much rather prefer an RP death. But that's just. I am so into RP because I'm, I'm a storyteller. I love a good story. And I love when something either comes to like a bittersweet end or a good ending, or even like even an ending that I'm not happy with. It's I'm still like, if if it makes sense, it makes sense. Like Sid, it's, I love that line that he threw out where he was like, I never understood why I didn't die back in that trench. I never understood why I survived. I do now. Yeah. The tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. I do now. And he did it so that we could all get free. And it it motivates you in a way. And I hope that if anything ever happens to Faye, I really don't, don't want it to. But I mean, if something fits in with the story, if it's so she sacrifices herself so that Catherine can live or Ella can live or whoever else down the line, or even if it's just so she can, even if it's to bring like Mueller down. Or bring Crowley down or something like that. It's right. as long as it's for a great cause and for a good reason, I'm always for it.
1: Okay, Catherine, you had a closing thought?
0: Popping off of um like
3: the storytelling aspect and you know what Faye said and the SID line kind of also uh sparked this in me. In in real life, we don't get to be heroes. It's fun to be able to be the main character and do these big, grand things and, you know, say things you wouldn't normally in real life. And if you gotta go, have a hero's death. Oh, 100%. Right. And I think people would, you know, that's part of the appeal is, you know, I get, to, I get to be something I'm not. Kayla said it. I get to control things and do things that I normally wouldn't want to be a hero you want to be larger than life so i think all of us agree that an rp death where we get to continue that you know to the very end i think that's what we all enjoy
0: yeah and i also think that it is just super important to understand your character in a way that you know when to kind of call it quits or when to do something it's because i mean you know we put so much work into these characters i mean scott has had john schooley for since our original Cthulhu campaign, I mean, he's poured so much into this character and he's developed this character. And But he knew it was
1: time to go. He yeah. knew.
0: Yeah. He was like, he knew. He was like, there's no way that I could walk away from this and be okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. he even said, he was like, Sid was my best friend and he died partially because of me. You know, yeah. Aveline died because she, there's no way that she's going to leave those innocents behind. It's I think it, right. I think it really – it speaks to someone's RP ability when they're able to walk away and let go, when they're able to sort of go with what the story's going. It's, you know, I know that, I know that Scott's going to miss John. I know Kayla misses Aveline, but you know, it's, it also gives you another chance to explore another new character. Like I can't wait to see what the guys are going to come up with next. All right.
1: So uh, ladies, thank you so much. Um, I just I thought for listeners who aren't in, involved in this hobby, we do have some that are just that listen just because of the story itself, uh, and don't really know the amount of work that goes into maybe the characters and and what makes you focus them the way that you do. I just wanted to kind of get touch base with it and let them hear the inside of a player's mind, because from my point of view, it's it's it, it is as a keeper. It, you never want to L- losing John because of the uh, the Ithakwa situation made sense to me because that was a broken thing, right? That was uh, the guy who's supposed to be containing the evil, used the evil for revenge. And he had been warned like by Mueller and other people earlier on. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to make a mistake at some point. And John makes it and slips and says, okay, you know what? Everybody's been proved right. I, I got to walk. And I get that. Um, Aveline and, and, and Aveline and Sid staying, doing what they did. I get it. But it's never easy as a keeper watching the players that you, that you're working with. So, so intimately in these situations, have to give up a character they really love. But when they do it and you sit there going, wow, you know, I I put them in that situation, but they chose to go out this way. This is the way they think, I think they wanted it. And it's a a real fine line between feeling like you're abusing the power and taking too much from a person or you're giving them what they, you know, the way their character wanted to go or be. So just wanted to touch base with people and and let them kind of see how we do that. But thank you, ladies. Great evening. We'll we'll finish off with the gunshots in Yinko's office next time, uh, and we'll hear Catherine just go bah, uh, scream. So we'll we can prep for that. Uh, but I from all of I'd, us, see.
3: I thought I'd whisper for a change.
1: No. Oh, no. no.
0: What are you doing? <laughs> oh no! Don't um, do that.
1: <laughs> I have a feeling this. If you did, Catherine. If you did, Catherine. That that moment, the way Catherine's been played up to this point, somewhere in the sky at about seven thousand feet, Ella goes, Catherine. Like she actually hears the scream from Yinko's <laughs> office. Um, so,
2: oh dear, What uh, happened? Oh God. I,
1: we better land. I think my friend's having a moment. Uh, <laughs> but from all of us here at the Bardock College, from myself and uh, my three ladies that are here this evening and John and uh, and Scott and Joel as well, we want to say thank you for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. You can like, share, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The music you're listening to is Return of the Mummy by the great Kevin McLeod. Join us next time to see where our intrepid explorers find themselves next.